welcome, welcome to uh, the Tuesday, September 24th edition of Drive Through HR. Uh, I'm I'm uh, host number one, Robin Schooling. Along with me is host number two, Mike Vandervoort. Hi, Mike. Hey, Rob. Hey, Robin. How are you today? I am. I am good. I'm. Uh, Finding it hard to believe that the month of September is wrapping up. You know, let's no you know, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> so, so um, I saw I posted a picture on Instagram and Facebook last week. I saw it's 95 degrees here today in Atlanta, and CVS or no Walgreens, sorry, has winter hats and gloves on sale in the store in Atlanta in in September. Anyway, <laughs> crazy stuff. Um, yeah. This actually, this is actually the first show I think that we've done since we got the new music. So that's some. Uh, you finally got rid of one of your pet peeves. We got new music that uh, intro. And I that, know. that was fun to listen to. So anyway, we should probably get to our guest. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get to our guest. Let's welcome our guest. Um, who, um, you know, we've um, we've been looking forward to having a conversation with <laughs> for a while. So. Welcome to uh, Aaron Miller. Hello, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me and for enjoying the anticipation that I've built over the last 20 days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you and for those who, who aren't aware, we we did have we had Aaron scheduled uh, just about a month ago, and the beauty yeah. of live radio. Uh, means that um, because she is, you know, working in HR day to day, she got pulled into something she couldn't get away from. So we had a we had a a, a host only show that day, but it was it was it, it, it was fun and it just led to the anticipation. So uh, we finally got you on. So for our listeners who um, have not had the pleasure of meeting you or talking with you. Um, Here's the HR question, right? Tell us about yourself. What do you do? How'd you get there? Yes, absolutely. So as you said, my name is Erin Miller, and right now I am the head of people and human resources at Precision Hawk. And uh, I started my career in sales, which is why I know how to build the anticipation. I'm like, I'm going to commit to this. <laughs> right. I'm going to give it a little time and then I'm going to show up. <laughs> no, um, thank you so much for being forgiving and flexible. Uh, you're a hundred percent right. You know, for those of us that are working in small companies, we, even though we're ahead of something and we have big titles, we have to balance the strategy with the tactical and so, uh, again, I appreciate you you letting me come on here again so we can have this conversation. So a little bit about myself. I earned, yeah, I earned my bachelor's degree in business administration and management, and I started my career in sales. And that's what led me to, in 2007, I started as a sales executive at The Motley Fool, And it was there in Alexandria, Virginia, that I spent about 10 years with the company and really found my calling. And I started in sales, and within a few years, I started to see our business shift from really taking on a revenue stream from advertising and really focused on our customers and a subscription model. So 
you know, looking around my large sales team at the Motley Fool, I went to our chief people officer at the time, who's also still there, Lee Burbage. I just went to him and I said, hey, I'm seeing a, a switch in the business and I would love to stay on and be a contributing team member, but I don't think I can be as impactful on the sales team. And, you know, do you see anywhere else for me? And at the time, I had built up relationships across the organization and had kind of developed a reputation of the, you know, go-to person if someone's having an issue or a conflict, um, you know, hey, Aaron, this is what I have going on. What would you do? How should I approach it? And, uh, you know, Lee, uh, the chief people officer, had heard that through the grapevine. And so he said, you know what, let's move you over to the people team. I don't know what your job's going to be, but come on over and let's just figure this out. So uh, that is where I got my start in people work and human resources. And I really started out just as a coach. And that has um, led me to uh, being in charge of people strategy at a couple of uh, companies here in the Raleigh area where I'm based now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Huh. I, like, I, I, I like that switch. You know, I like that yes. progression because um, it's um, it's a thoughtful progression, you know? Um, yeah. A little and out of the norm, but it, it was something that you thought about and what... Absolutely. What's driving well, at me? The, at the, yeah, at the baseline of, of the switch, I have always been very curious about people and why do they do the things they do and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just that level of curiosity and, you know, sales is all about building trust and relationships. And that's also mm-hmm. true in HR and people work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I, I know one of the things that you've, um, you know, at Precision Hawk, um, I think the, the basis for that is something that you've brought in for your team. Right, that that's the way you want to operate um, with that foundation of, of trust and kind of why are we all here, you know, which which kind of gets us to a little bit of the meat of what we wanted to talk about, which is you know looking at um, at company values and and how they're sort of a foundation <coughs> for the organization, the behaviors you want, the actions that people take, all of that sort of thing, and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure over the years I read quite a bit of things about Motley Fool kind of leading yeah. leading the way with that from a people perspective as well. How was that? Was that as you came into Precision Hawk and in, in particular, how have you brought what you've experienced before into that? You know, how have you? How important are values and 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 defining them? Absolutely. So the way I bring things into new organizations is with data. You cannot get other executives and CEOs to get on board with making your employees feel good and happy without real business metrics. And going back to company values, when you have established behaviors at a company and everything revolves around those values, 
you reward the behaviors that are aligned with your values and you don't reward and you maybe even have consequences for people that don't align with your behaviors mm. um, and values. That's, that's mm. really important. And, you know, one of the things that I think um, we get too caught up in as companies is we want to create values that are words on a web page that looks that look really amazing. And yeah. that might be good from a marketing and company brand perspective. It is not good if you walk into your company and you point at any employee and say, hey, what are our four core values? And they look at you with a blank stare. That is not how core values should work. Um, right. People have to, to live and breathe those values. And defining those values should not should not come from the top. They should be bottom up. They should be coming from the people that work there. If values are created by a machine or the CEO and, you know, a, a marketing machine, that is not mm-hmm. going to resonate with your employees. So really mm-hmm. to align employees with values is having the employees create the values. I um. This is many years ago, but I, I can I can recall working <clears throat> working at an organization, a huge organization, that um, you know did it all wrong in terms of values because oh we're gonna you know do a refresh and we're gonna you know um, update our values and we're gonna you know roll them out and uh, you know it was all pretty and they sounded wonderful mm-hmm. and they looked great and they were very was more customer facing at the end of the day than internal facing <clears throat> but they rolled these values out and 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 you know I was part of the HR machine taking my mm-hmm. directive from you know the ginormous corporate machine to um get these out to my region and people literally like <coughs> you know people were like snickering in the <laughs> in the rollout meetings because it was, they were sure. so removed from the reality, you know. So that alignment, you know, before they even before we even could get out <laughs> the gate with, here's what the behaviors are and here's what people should do, there was such a disconnect um, because it was done exactly that way. It was rolled. It was conceived around the boardroom table. You know, some marketing agency came in and packaged it, and you know, here you are. And when the the rank and file, you know, laugh at the absurdity yeah. of these stated values, you know you're doing something wrong. Um, and that's, wow. that's sad. So, so Aaron, uh, I have a story um, before I ask a question, and that is uh, funny that you mentioned the Motley Fool. I, I I didn't I hadn't detected that that you had worked there in your background, but. A couple of years ago, I was at an HR conference where Tom Gardner, who's the CEO, yes. I guess, of Motley Fool now, right, where Tom Gardner got up and talked to an HR crowd about the importance of human capital uh, and how, you know, how that drove value in companies, not only from the productivity and profitability standpoint, but, you know, in being stock even that – Motley Fool might recommend. I know they don't analyze based on HR, but it was very, it was very interesting to hear him, a CEO of a of a, a Wall Street sort of based company, come and talk to um, 
come to talk to HR people, and it was very clear hmm. that um, that the values you know, the values that you just got done talking about while you were working there, it's very clear that, that the CEO lived and breathed that from what he had to say. The other part of that story is at, he, I saw him in the morning there, and in the evening he was still around at a small gathering where we were drinking wine, so I had a chance to meet him personally. And I worked for public supermarkets back then. And uh, on the way on the way down the he started interrogating me in a nice way about Publix and its privately held stock and what kind of a company it was. <laughs> that is so Tom Gardner. Yes, I love it. Anyway, so it was, it was, it was, he, was, he was a very genuine person, but it, it, was, it was funny. I was like, he, he can't help himself. He's got to find out a little bit more about this company that isn't even traded on the <laughs> stock market. Uh, yeah. my, my question is, um, I guess, how – so so using, like, you know, to jump off in that story, as a CEO yeah. at Bonnie Pool, how does his, how does him believing so deeply in company values um, impact employee experience? So, one of the things Tom Gardner has become such a dear friend of mine. We stay in touch. He has always said, "If you need anything, you pick up the phone. You call me." And one of the things, you know, the, the 10 years that I spent at the Motley Fool really spoiled me because now that I'm out in the real world, it has been a struggle. It's been a struggle for me because Tom and David Gardner are two founders that operate in a way that is the exception and not the rule. And the reason the Motley Fool has been such an amazing place to work and um, you know, employee engagement is high and people feel productive there is because of Tom and David Gardner. You know, one of the things that come up for me as I've moved around, people look at the HR department and they say, okay, you need one person for every 100 employees. And I look at them and I say, no. And here's why. At the Motley Fool, 5% of the employee base is the people team. So when I left there, it was a little over 300 employees. The people team was 20 people. Wow. And I will tell you that that is the difference. When you have leaders at the top that understand the importance of human capital, they resource the HR and people team in a way that can support what employees need. This concept of, you know, HR is, one for every 50 or 100 employees, that makes zero sense to me. And, you know, when you have leaders that will invest in you and invest in your team, then you get workplaces like the Motley Fool. I, right now, I'm a very small team, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm scrappy, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do we build this employee experience? And I am, you know, I'm continually putting together business metrics and a business plan for the people team because you can't create employee experiences without really having the right people to make intentional decisions and put intention and thought around programs. The thought that one or two people are going to roll something out to 100 or 300 people and it's going to be amazing the math does not work. And that has nothing to do with feelings and engagement. The simple number of 
you know, being able to connect with employees at a baseline level, you need people to do that. And, you know, at the Motley Fool, again, when you have leaders like Tom and David Gardner and Lee Burbage and Kara Chambers, when they're able to get the resources that they need, it is wonderful. I don't think I answered your question, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Let me step off my soapbox. What was the question? (laughs) No, but, you know, that really really gets us to to a question that flows, flows well off of that. Um, because so often um, organizations will assign the res- assign the responsibility for the employee experience, um, or even worse, assign the responsibility for quote culture um, to mm-hmm. HR. Um, neither, which goes to show people don't understand culture, but also goes to show that people don't really think it through because providing or ensuring um, a good employee experience. It's it's not just an HR thing. It's an everybody thing, and it's um, yes, it comes from the top down. But what about that middle ground? Man, you know your managers, your frontline supervisors. Mm-hmm. What what role do they play in providing a great employee experience? Absolutely, they play a very very large role. And I would say again, employee experience has a lot to do with the CEO because at the end of the day, your head of HR, the way business is structured, we report to the CEO. So even if we have Mm -hmm. all these brilliant ideas and we say we need to be more open and honest and transparent, if your leader is not aligned with you, it doesn't matter what the head of HR or people does. And that's where, you know, with – it being top down, it's really important. And if your CEO or your leaders are not good at some of that stuff, then they should delegate to others. But when it, you know, when it comes to employee experience, that's something that it does have to do with everyone, especially their employee. I would say at the end of the day, I would rather work at a bad company with an amazing manager than a really good company with a bad manager. And that's because that manager-employee relationship is so important. And a lot of times that manager is going to have oversight on the career opportunities you get, the amount of money you make, the amount of recognition you might get, the number of Mm -hmm. times your name is brought up at the executive level. And I think when you can find yourself a manager that advocates for you and also tells you the truth, you know, one of the things that I have – loved about my time at The Fool was working with Lee Burbage. He and I developed such a strong relationship, and he was my biggest champion, and he was the first one to pull me in the room and say, hey, that did not go well. Let me give you some feedback. Uh, and, uh. and as a manager, employee experience comes down to are you building an authentic relationship and it starts on, on day one. Actually, it starts before day one. We mm-hmm. really encourage our managers, you know, once someone has accepted the offer, we, we let the manager know as well as the entire team. And we say, hey, here's their personal email. Here's their LinkedIn. Welcome them to the team. And that's before mm-hmm. they even walk in the door. 
And then, you know, it's, it's having meaningful one-on-one. It's being authentic. It's answering questions when they have them. And as a frontline manager, sometimes you don't have the, all the information and you don't know. But a manager that's able to sit with their employee and say, you know what, I do not know the answer to that question, but I promise you I'm going to go find out as much as I can and I will come back to you. Yeah. And that, one of, one of again, the, one of the basic rules ahead, for supervisors Michael. that I, I was just going to say, that's one of the very basic rules for supervisors that many don't really deliver effectively on. And it causes, starts to cause problems in the workplace when that becomes consistent. Sorry, you were going to say something else, Aaron, and then I had a question. Yeah, no, I was going to say again, you know, culture and employee experience is not the responsibility of HR. It's the responsibility of every single person that walks in your door, whether they're the CEO or the front desk manager. And, you know, the reason there are companies out there that have great culture is because everyone believes it, everyone walks the walk, and they also, you know, employees at those companies believe that when someone isn't aligned with the values, that the leadership team is going to do the right thing because you're only as good as your worst performer and your bad behavior, and that's something that it really it matters, and it's, it's not words on a page. It's behaviors and action and uh-huh. everyone in the organization being able to say, you know, hey, one thing that I talk about on at onboarding at Precision Hawk is I, I don't want to be the police. I'm not going to walk around and point out bad behavior. I am going to empower every person in this room to have a voice. And when they see something that they feel doesn't represent our culture, they should feel 100% comfortable going over to that individual and saying, hey, I – I don't like what I'm seeing. I'm confused. Are you having a bad day? What can I do to help? This is how we do it at Precision Hawk. And, you know, if HR is the only person that is ever addressing bad behavior, that is not good either. Right. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's the recipe for bad things to happen. Um, I guess. So I, I just want to do a real quick reset. I mean, the reset is pretty late, but um, for those that – our guest is uh, Aaron Miller from Precision Hawk. I guess they make uh, drones, which I thought we might talk about, but I don't know if we're going to have time. Yeah, we, uh, we definitely <laughs> should. <laughs> okay. Well, well, let's do that. Let's throw in a bonus question. Tell us about the drone business and what's cool about it. <laughs> I don't know what to ask. Yeah. Absolutely, and I'll keep this to a minute or less because I know that we've, we're coming down to the end of the show. But so six, six Precision Hawk, ha- six and a half. Oh, that's plenty of time. All right. So Precision Hawk was started as a robotics company where we were building drones. Now, in the last three years, we have really evolved uh, because we have not built. Uh, we're not building drones anymore. What we're doing is focusing on data collection. So we work heavily with a company out of China called DJI. They build some of the best drones in the world. 
So we use their drones, and then we put our own sensors on those drones, and we use it to collect data. We work with a lot of energy companies, a lot of agriculture companies. But even though we do a lot of work with drones, I'd say we're more of a data collection company. Hmm. And uh, we right now we're the market leader. We're working with a lot of big energy customers. And the main thing is, you know, we've got distribution lines and um out there where people have, from an inspection standpoint, they've been driving a truck or a helicopter and trying to get photos of this, these structures. And what we're able to do is do it with a drone, do it much faster, get all the right images and process them. And we go back to our enterprise level customers and say, hey, here is all the data you need to make the right business decisions, and we're hmm. doing it at a much more efficient cost and in a much more accurate way. <laughs> that 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 is that is not the answer I expected. I didn't know what it would be. I, didn't, I didn't think, think so. That, <laughs> I didn't think that drones equaled data company, but why not? Data drives everything these days. Uh, so Absolutely. let's spin back, uh, Aaron. Let's spin back to the to the topic of, you know, employee experience and values and that kind of thing. Um, and talk about trust for a second. And, and my first mm -hmm. question would be, I have two, but the first one is how do you ensure employees, how, how does someone in HR or otherwise ensure employees have trust in the organization that they work with or for? Oh, wow. That's a $100 million question. Do I get anything if I get this right? <laughs> and, um, and you we'll, literally we'll, have like we'll, two we'll minutes to answer it. <laughs> yeah, we have like yes, okay. The the pressure's on. So how do you ensure employees have trust in an organization? So trust is built in all the little moments. When uh when you come into the morning or when you come into the office in the morning and you say good morning to one of your employees and then a couple of days later you come in and say good morning to the same employee, oh, how is your puppy? And, you know, trust is built in all those little moments. And when you start to really learn who the human being is and what they're bringing to your organization, that is one of the ways. The other way is work is a relationship. And companies cannot just get what they need from their employees. The employees have to get what they need. In any healthy relationship, when both parties are getting what they need, it's working wonderfully. And if one of those is off kilter or not getting what they need, that's when the problems happen. And, you know, the people in the, in the workforce now, they can go anywhere they, they want. You know, the job market is so hot. And the employees that are going to stay with companies are the ones that feel like they're getting the real deal. They know what's going on in their business. They have an understanding of how they're making an impact on the organization. And that is where trust is built on the personal level. And there's, there's no magic formula other than do the hard work of getting to know people and do the hard work of being honest. Yep. I totally, yeah. totally agree. Great answer. Thanks. Beautiful, beautiful. $100 million check. Mail it to my house. Yep. I'm kidding. It's That's right. I'll take That's right. Yes. <laughs> so we have two so we, uh, we've got up. just a little bit here yet. 
So, Aaron, um, for our listeners, um, let everyone know where they can find you online, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Absolutely. wherever. Yeah, so LinkedIn, it's Aaron Core Miller, and on Twitter, my Twitter handle is this Tweety. And the way I got that nickname is when I was born, I had giant blue eyes and no hair, and my granny Nixon named me Tweety Bird. And so <laughs> this Tweety is, um, is, is my name and the way you can find me, and I would love to connect. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It was uh, yet again another fast and uh, fast and furious episode, um, and uh, and we could have dove into it a whole lot more. But thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Mike. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. And yes, we are. Uh, thank you. See you. See you. All right. Soon, have a good day, Aaron. everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Onward. Bye. <laughs>